Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had somebody in your life, maybe now, that you wanted to take the relationship, you really, really, really wanted to take the relationship from where it was to a deeper level, and they just won't go there with you? I mean, I look back into junior high in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there was a girl named Shelly who I had a crush on, and I so much wanted to be more than friends, right? Every time she lived in my neighborhood, she would walk down and pass my house almost every afternoon. Man, I'd be out there shooting ball and, and trying the best trick shots I had, the best shots I would wave. And listen, she was, she was polite. She wasn't rude, but she was formal. She was distant. So let me ask you the question again. Have you ever had somebody in your life, again, maybe now, that you wanted to move that relationship so bad, you wanted to move it from where it was into a deeper level and they just would not go there with you. Maybe it was high school, maybe it was in college and there's a person that you're falling for them and it's pretty obvious they're not falling for you. That you keep trying and you keep trying and they, they just won't cooperate. Again, they're polite, but it starts to get a little bit awkward. Maybe, uh, you, maybe you have adult children and you made some mistakes and uh, you want the relationship to be uh, all that you dreamed it could be. You're sorry for some of the things you did, but really all it is now, it's formal. It's holidays. It's uh, uh, the, the formal times you meet. Or maybe, uh, maybe you're a child and you're a you're a person who went through the difficulty of watching your parents divorce and now you're, you're older and you want that relationship with, you want that father-son, that mother-daughter, that, that son-mom. You want that relationship so bad. You see other people have it and it's just, it's just not going anywhere or even worse, maybe it's your marriage. In your marriage, there was a time when it was vulnerable and transparent and you had you to lose track of time. Uh, but now it's formal. Now it's awkward. Now you live kind of parallel lives. Every once in a while, you feel like just tossing in the towel, but then you get kind of reinvigorated. You work at it, but it's becoming apparent, you know, it's just, it's just not going to change. It's just routine. Uh, believe it or not, the Bible portrays God as one who wants an intimate relationship with his creation, but time and time and time again, in some of the most famous passages in the Bible, it shows God's creation stiff-arming him, not necessarily being rude, being polite, but being distant. And you can start off in the first book of the Bible, the first couple of chapters where God is going with Adam and Eve. It's like, ah, where are you? Where are you? And they're, he's like, I want that relationship restored. And they're trying to hide. You can go to the, probably one of the most famous stories Jesus told in the story of the prodigal son, where there's the dad who is portraying God and the, the son wants the gifts more than he wants his dad. You can go to a crazy book like the book of uh, Hosea in the Old Testament where God is portrayed as the spurned husband chasing after, pursuing uh, the wife who is just wants nothing to do with him. What I'm going to do, try to do today is ask the question, answer the question, and use a passage that actually arguably is the most famous a passage in the Bible. Uh, this is a passage that is loved by both believers and non-believers. Right? This is one that has provided comfort for God's people for, you know, thousands of years. But what I want you to make sure is you don't do, don't, it's simple, but don't mistake simplicity for shallowness. Don't mistake the fact that some of you even know this 
by heart. You have this memorized. Don't mistake the fact that you have it memorized up here for having it actually being lived out in here. It's actually called the 23rd Psalm. And to be quite honest, I started off this week thinking, I know this Psalm, I know it well. And by the end of the week, I was like, man, I learned so much about it. As a matter of fact, we're just going to go through the first three verses today, and then we'll do the next three verses uh, next week. But Psalm 23 is a picture of uh, David and his confidence in God. And you see all those things. It's like he's like a satisfied customer saying, you know what? God comforts me. God leads me. God guides me. God gives me confidence. And as I read it over and over and over again and thought about it, I began to think, that's what I want. I have that sometime, but sometime I don't have that. And so what we're going to talk about as we kind of continue this series called, you know, what to do, what do you do when life gets hard? This one is how do I draw close to God? How do I draw closer to God? There's probably three or four different types of people that are listening this morning. You know, some of you, uh, you're like, I didn't even know God wanted to be close to me. And what I want to show you is he does want to be close to you. And some of you are going to make a dramatic step toward that relationship today. Uh, some of you are just going to rejoice over the truths that we see, because right now during the craziness of this pandemic, God has done a fresh work in your life. But there's a lot of you that are kind of like how I was at the start of the week, where your walk was a little bit dry. Your joy was a little bit distant. And then the question is, how do I get that back? You can have that back. Jesus' half-brother, James, says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. So the, what we want to see is we want to see the confidence, the comfort, all that David had. And then we want to be able to say, you know what, I can have that. And not only can I have that, I can understand how I can have that. So let me read the three verses. And Psalm 23, the first three verses read like this. Again, some of you know it. If you know it, just kind of mouth it along with me there in your living room. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And what you're going to see is this psalm shows us how we often treat God respectfully but oftentimes not intimately. So the question, how do we draw closer to God? And this starts off just Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, granted, most of us did not grow up around shepherds. All right, I grew up in Atlanta and then in Texas. There were not a lot of shepherds down on Peachtree, okay? There were not a lot, contrary to popular belief, there's not all these shepherds and ranchers over in Texas. So I didn't know what a shepherd was. Some of you don't know what a shepherd is, but for today's argument, just take the fact that shepherds, basically shepherds, Shepherds lead sheep. Throughout this text, it says, he makes me, he leads me, he leads me, he restores me. So a shepherd is one who directs you, who you look to for security. And let me do one thought before we go to the how. The truth is everybody has a shepherd. Everybody has a shepherd. Now, for some of you, your shepherd is you. You're the one that you look to for security. You're the one that you look to for guidance. It's like nobody makes me do anything. I do what I want to do. So your shepherd is you. Um, some of you, your shepherd is, it's our stuff, it's our career. Sometimes our shepherd is the approval of somebody who's real important to us. And just understand, most functional shepherds, they're not bad things. Most functional shepherds are good things that we turn into ultimate things, and then eventually they fold in on themselves because they were never meant to bear up under that weight. There's a guy a long time ago named Augustine, and he said this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. 
And so what we're going to see David telling us, David is telling us is how good it is to have the Lord as his shepherd. And his shepherd is going to be on one hand powerful, on the other hand, very personal. If you look in your Bible there, you'll see the word Lord there is in like small caps. That's the covenant name for God. That's the name for God that says, you know what? I'm the, I'm the God of Genesis 1-1. I'm the God who was, who is, and is to come. That's who that God is. That's the powerful, powerful God. But notice how many personal pronouns are just in these first few verses. He's my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths. So before we jump into how do we draw closer to God, just the question has to be asked is, do you, do you know God like this? Do you know God personally? Because what we know from the scriptures is Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. John chapter 10 says, you know what? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. John 10 verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the gospel. He says, I'm the one that's going to live the life you were supposed to live. I'm the one that's going to die in your place. All right, that's the gospel. And then later on, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. All right, that's a personal invitation. That's like, I want to have a relationship with you. So the opposite of that would be, let's just say you went up to my wife and said, uh, you know, hey, Lori. And she said, don't, don't call me Lori. You call me Mrs. Frank. Or if you came up to me and you go, hey, Bruce, what's up? And I was like, don't call me Bruce. You call me Dr. Frank. What would we be saying besides being completely rude? What I would be saying is, listen, we don't want a personal relationship with you. We want to keep things at arm's length. We want to keep things formal. We want to keep things at a distant. That's the opposite of what you see here in the text. It's like, you know what? It, God is saying, I want a relationship with you. I want an intimate relationship with you. And so when you see here, if Without a personal relationship with Christ, Psalm 23 is like, it's like a kid looking in the window of a candy store and seeing all this awesome stuff, but that he can't get to. And so the question again is, are you a, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Understand that does not happen by accident. It's something that you choose. You don't become a follower of Jesus like you catch a cold, all right? It's not something you catch. It's something that you choose. And to be as blunt as I can, if you're not certain if you are not certain that you've turned from your sin and embraced Christ by faith, you haven't done so. If you're like, I don't know if I have, because the gospel is, is not easy, but it is super simple. So before we jump into the how-to, let me just explain it one more time. The gospel is this, it's as simple as ABC, the letter A. The gospel is I have to admit that I've sinned against God. That I've missed, sin means to miss the mark, that I've missed the mark. God's bullseye is here and I have missed the bullseye. If you don't believe that you're in that category of sinner, just ask whoever's watching, the, watching the, 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 the service with you today. Ask your family, ask your friends. They'll tell you, you know what? Yeah, you are a sinner, but that's the admission part of it. B is for belief. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross somehow counted for me. That when he said, it is finished, it is finished, that was my sin he was taking onto himself. That's belief, that I'm believing that Jesus died for me. And then... C can be confess, it can be commit, all right? You're like, uh, what does commitment mean? It means I'm making the commitment that I'm no longer the boss of me, that Jesus is now the boss of me. I don't call the shots, uh, Jesus calls the shots. 
You might have bristled a few minutes ago when you read that part that says he makes me lie down in green pastures. And like, nobody tells me what to do. Nobody makes me do anything. Well, you got to pick a new shepherd then. Because what you see here is the God, who ma- the God who makes us do things. You're like, why would I want somebody who makes me do things? Because the God who makes us do things has scars in his wrist, has scars in his feet. He died for you. Not did he die for you and loves you, but he also knows the best way to make things flourish in your life. He knows how to give things to you, what is best and what truly satisfies. So before we even jump in, please make sure, has there been a time when I turn from my sin and I embrace Christ by faith? If not, it doesn't have to be a church. You can be right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, right there watching on the phone. Just say, you know what, with my eyes open, with my heart asking God, saying, you know what, I am admitting I have broken your law and I want you to be the boss and savior of my life. Somebody at the end of the telecast will show you, hey, here's what I do now, here's what I do now. But please understand when it says sheep, (laughs) when it says sheep, uh, that is not a compliment. When it says we're all like sheep, uh, most of us when we hear the word sheep, here's what we picture. We picture a cuddly cuddly little fluffy white sheep, and uh, we picture kind of the, the Lifeway Bible bookstore, uh, you know, Swedish Jesus with Ric Flair hair with the peace sign and him holding the little fluffy white lamp. That is not at all what it would have been like when this psalm was written. As a matter of fact, sheep back then were not fluffy white. They would have been uh, caked in a mud and scubulon and nasty, nasty stuff, all right? They would have smelled bad. They would have been nasty. If you grew up in Wichita Falls like I did, you would have called that schnasty, which means you both smell and are nasty. That's the way sheep were. And sheep would just wander off, all right? Sheep would just wander off. I actually, most preachers down through the years are like, sheep are dumb. I actually found out this, this week, sheep are not dumb, but they are stubborn and they will stray. I mean, sheep will be like, sheep will have a perfectly good bunch of grass, I mean, they'll be sitting there with green grass, having a great shepherd, everything's going well, you're protected. And then all of a sudden they'll just kind of, they're like, they're like, I am sometime. I got to have a little bit of case, you know, ADD. So sometime I'll be talking like, hey, look at the butterfly. And I'll just go on. That's the way sheep is. Nice grass, nice shepherd. And then all of a sudden, hey, have you seen this brown grass over here? That's what a sheep does. I found out that sheep actually don't even know the difference between what is edible and what is poisonous. And so what's the Bible say about sheep? Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now listen, I think all of us could probably say, I look back over my life and some of the dumbest times, the dumbest decisions, the ones that I have the scars from or when I didn't listen to the shepherd's voice, I'm like, you know what? Forget that. You know, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to do my own thing. And I've wandered away and I got the scars from it, just like, just like you do. And what I looked at in Psalm 23 is like, I want that. I want that. Either I want that for the first time or I want that again. So here's the question. How do I get closer to God? Again, some of you are like a Christian for five minutes. Like, so how do I stay close to God? Some of you have been a Christian a long time, but the joy and the song, that's faded. So let me just kind of walk through some things. How do I stay close to God? So number one, how do I get closer to God? You got to get in God's word. Got to get in God's word. Spiritual food, the green pasture that it's talked about here. To be blunt, if it's been weeks or maybe months since you actually opened up this book, it's gonna be like super hard to actually get guidance and hear from God about himself. 
And when you go here, you can't go to it like you go to a cafeteria. That's the, when I was a kid, I used to love going to a cafeteria until like my mom would say, you got to eat this stuff. So when I was a grown man with small boys, we'd go to these cafeterias because my boys would eat just like horses and I would make them eat certain things. But I'm like, I'm a grown man. I can eat what I want to. So I'd go over there and I might pull out all this different stuff. But if I got to the stuff I didn't like, like broccoli, like forget that. I'm a grown man. I don't want that. That's awesome when you go to Luby's. That's terrible when you go to the Bible. When you go to the Bible, if you're a Christ follower, one of the foundational things you've got to do is come to the realization that if I'm going to follow Christ, when Jesus and I disagree, he's right, I'm wrong, and by God's grace and by his power, I will change. And so when you go to the Bible, you just look at the commands, and some of them won't make sense. When he says things like, well, forgive this person, or uh, this is my design for sex, or this is how I want you to be generous, or this is how I want you to, you know, speak about other people, or this is all that, all that stuff is for human flourishing. Let me give you another couple of things. One of them is it, it's going to be continuous. If let's say on Sunday today, let's say you're watching like 10 different webcasts, all right? You're going from this one to the next one to the next one, and you're watching all this stuff and all this teaching, and you fill up all day long. But like Monday through Saturday, there's like nothing. You are just going to be a person of little spiritual maturity. So the question again, when is the last time you got into this book and just started reading? Let me pop the balloon on this one. You might've grown up in a tradition. If you grew up in a tradition that says, you know what? This book is for the professionals only. Please hear me. That's not true. It's not true, all right? You can get in here and you can understand it. Are there some things that are difficult to understand? Absolutely. There are. It's, some of it's difficult, but most of it is very, very, very understandable. So just get in there on a continual basis. You're like, where do I start? Where do I even begin? I don't know. Um, if you don't have a clue to where to begin, maybe go to John 15. Read from like John 15 to chapter 21. That'll give you a whole bunch of stuff that's not hard to understand. And when you go there, don't think, okay, I read it today. I'm going to necessarily use it that afternoon. Now it is good to be able to ask the question. I read it. I think about it. I pray about it. I ask, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And sometimes that day I get to use it. But sometimes reading God's word is like uh, depositing money into your checking account. When you put money into your checking account, it's not great if as soon as you deposit it, you spend it all immediately. Perfect world is you deposit it into your checking account and then over the next couple of weeks, what you do is you begin to write a check here, you begin to pay a bill here, you begin to buy something here. That's the way a lot of times it is with God's word. I read something today, I'm putting it in my heart, I'm putting it in my heart, and I might not necessarily use that until weeks or maybe even months later. All right, so again, get a time, get a time. Just get a time, choose a place. Choose a place and then just choose a passage. And ask questions, you know, is there something in here for me to, 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 to follow? Is there an example for me to follow? But always ask this question, what does this teach me about Jesus? Because the point of reading the Bible is not to just check it off and say, I read the Bible today. The point of reading the Bible is to get to know Jesus better. So ask the question, what am I learning about Jesus? So if you just take this one today, let me just show you how this can work. If you just take this one today, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So we've already said that Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
So what are some things we can learn about Jesus just from this passage, Psalm 23, and then the corresponding one in John 10? Well, it's like, you know what? I can know that Jesus loves me. I know that Jesus sacrificed for me. I know Jesus died in my place, all right? Go to Psalm 23. I know God, I know Jesus will comfort me. I know Jesus will guide me in decisions I've got to make. I know Jesus will comfort me when I'm freaking out over all this pandemic. All that stuff is just from these passages. So you can understand it. You can understand it. And um, uh, so, so get in the word. Uh, last week, Clayton King did a masterful job about talking about community. But just think about it. You got to get in community. You got to get in the word. You got to get in community. When you look around, when's the last time you saw a shepherd that had one sheep? <laughs> you didn't. I mean, shepherds typically have way more than one sheep. You need a flock. The shepherd is interested in the flock. I know some of you are like, hey, I'm a Bible scholar, and I remember there's a story that Jesus told about the one sheep that he went after, and you would be true. But do you remember what happened when he went off to get the one sheep? What did he do? He went out and got it, and he brought it back and put it in the flock. You could actually make a case to say if the one hadn't have gotten away from the flock to begin with, he wouldn't have found himself in the briar patch. And so you need community. And listen, man, I know it's hard right now. With all these Zoom meetings, I'm about Zoomed out. I mean, Zoom is awesome. I can't wait till we can get together. But for right now, I got to have some kind of community. I got to have a church. Got to have a church. I got to have a connect group. If you didn't touch base on that last week, if we can help, just text the word connect to 28282. Man, somebody will touch base with you this week to figure out how do I get some community. All right. So I got to get in the word. I got to get in community. And here's the third thing. If I'm going to grow closer to God, if I'm going to draw closer to God, because here's the thing you don't want to waste. Whenever this thing's over, for about 90% of us, you probably have a little more time than you did before. Now, we don't want that, but you have a little more time than we did before. So before, when it came things like getting in the Word and getting in community and all this stuff, we had some built-in excuses because we'd say, well, I'm taking the kids to soccer practice or I'm doing this. I just don't have time, blah, 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 blah. And now we've got some, for most of us, you've got a little bit of extra time. And so God is kind of saying, hey, do you want to get closer to me? If you do, let's get in the word. Let's get into some community. And here's a third thing. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Have you ever seen any relationship, any relationship that you would define as intimate that did not have two-way regular conversation? Any like that? You ever seen a husband and wife that you're like, hey, they're really close and intimate. And yet they just, you know, one talked and the other one listened all the time. You ever even seen a parent-child relationship that you would say, man, they are super close. Parent does all the talking, child doesn't talk at all. No. Intimacy almost by definition means that there is some dialogue back and forth, not just super formal. I mean, I can imagine if the only thing I talk to my wife about is on formal stuff about formal agendas. Hello, Lori. Good morning. You look beautiful today. That is like lame sauce, all right? That is lame. We talk, we share, we're transparent. Hopefully we're vulnerable. And um, when it comes to communication with God during this time, when times are hard, like they are now for so many of us, when times are hard, it's particularly important to talk with the Lord. Look down at your text and it says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. That's such a great phrase restores my soul, restores the idea of breathing life into. It's the idea of refreshing. 
It's the idea of almost revival. It's the idea of something that once was dry and dusty, now is vibrant and healthy. That's the picture of it. But in that context, what it's talking about is actually something that was very dire, very dangerous. And it's when a sheep would get what they call cast, C-A-S-T, cast. And um, when a sheep would get cast, basically what they would do is they would lay down to try to get comfortable. And if they weren't careful, they would kind of turn a little bit too much. And either because they were so full of, you know, of their, of their fleece or they were full of mud or whatever, if they would go too far over, their feet would then lose traction on the ground. And they kind of be like a turtle with their feet up. And what would happen is if that happened and the shepherd did not come alongside within a few hours and rescue them, they would die. And so when a shepherd would come along and see a sheep like that, what he would do is the kind of the thing was he would lift them up. And depending on how long the sheep had been there, he might have to lift them up like that and like get the circulation back in the sheep's legs. He would restore the sheep to the original position the sheep was in. That's what restoration means. I want to put you back like it used to be. And if not like it used to be even better. Um, how do you know if your soul needs to be restored? Uh, I'll just, uh, here's what I did. Instead of uh, thinking about uh, 10 different things from you, what I did is just, I just jotted down stuff for me. It's like, I know my soul needs to be restored when, okay. When these things are true, these are check engine lights on my soul that something is, something has fallen down. Something is getting into a dangerous territory where if it's not corrected, if my shepherd doesn't come alongside and put me right side up, then it's just going to get worse. So again, this is confession. If you're looking for like the perfect preacher who doesn't have these issues, then probably tune in somewhere else. But here's, here's mine. All right. Uh, and these are in no particular order. These are just uh, seven that I jotted down because I didn't want to be any more transparent than this. So here's, here's what they are. Uh, I know that my soul needs some restoring if I don't want to serve my wife. If I just don't want to serve, it's like, you know what? It's, it's about me. It's about what I want. It's about what show I want to see. It's about what place I want to eat at. It's about what agenda I have. I know something's askew in my soul if I don't want to serve my wife. Uh, I know I need soul restoration when my prayers are surfacy. When my prayers are surfacy. When I hit my knees and it's basically a formality, I'm praying because I'm supposed to pray. When I'm praying because I'm supposed to pray, it's usually pretty general. When it's not crying out to God, when it's not sharing things, when it's not asking for things that are bigger than what I can do, I know that my soul needs restoration. Uh, I know that my soul needs restoration when, I put it two ways, either I think the grass is greener or that I'm jealous of someone else's success. When I'm looking around and somebody else is having the success and somewhere in my heart, I don't rejoice with that. I don't rejoice with it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. That person's kind of cutting corners or that person doesn't deserve it or whatever. I know my soul needs restoration. Um, I know that uh, my soul needs restoration when I am hypercritical over primarily minor issues. So example, true confessions. I didn't have to go back years or even months. I just had to go back weeks. So uh, here's what happened two weeks ago. It gives you a little bit of, pull the curtain back a little bit. If you notice, we have like a new set here, correct? We have a new set. And the reason was, is about uh, two weeks ago, I'm watching and I have kind of like a semi-preacher meltdown. And the meltdown was, uh, it's like, man, it's just not as good as we can make it. And it's not our best. And I, I was just like having a meltdown over it. And you had this 
you had this smoke. It looked like, you know, you had the Holy Spirit, Shekinah glory smoke behind me. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And so I like a three hour conversation and really all that needed, all that needed was like a 15 minute conversation about what needed to be best. But instead, because my soul needed a lot of restoration, what was 15 minutes turned into like a three hour gripe session. So now, you know, um, I know my soul needs restoration when I complain over things that I cannot fix. When I'm complaining about the weather, a politician, um, the, uh, when I'm complaining about the traffic. The other day, it thought, I longed to see traffic jams on 26 again. I longed to see it. The other day, I was like, nobody's on 26. It's like, I used to complain about it. Never again. I... Uh, When I lack contentment, I need soul restoration. When I think if I just get this one more thing or if I just achieve this one more goal or if I just get this one more notch on my belt, if this one more thing happens, then it'll all be good, which, hey, it's never just one more thing. And then lastly, uh, when I just don't want to be generous uh, with my resources, when I just don't want to be generous, I'm like, you know what, that's mine, that's, I don't want to do it. I'm not saying I don't do it. I'm saying what I don't want to be. That's when my soul needs restoration. So here's what I would say. Uh, if those resonated with you, or maybe there's uh, shame or guilt, or you know that it has been a long time uh, since God took you to the mat and you were amazed at how good God was, or it's been a long time since you sang one of our worship songs when you actually had even a scintilla of emotion. If you know that, then I would just say, hit your knees, hit your knees and just pray. God, God, would you help me? Would you help me? Would you pick me up from my cast position? God, it's been a long time since something happened in my life spiritually that excited me. God, would you help me to say the Lord is my shepherd and I don't need anything. I got a great shepherd. God, I'm scared. I'm scared because I'm not sure if I'm going to have my job on Monday. Would you just look at maybe verse four and say, you know what? Not only is the Lord my shepherd, but even if I walk through the valley of my, the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. Why? Because my shepherd is good and you're going to protect me. And so that's just soul restoration. Just hit your knees, hit your knees, say, God, would you pick me up? Would you pick me on the right path? Would you give me the courage to get off the wrong path? And let me give you this fourth one. And here's the one that you see that's oftentimes just skipped over. And that is this. It's not just, it's not just get in the word, super important. Definitely get in community. All right. See last week's message. It's not just, okay, I got to get on my knees. I got to get on my knees and say, God, would you restore to me? David actually in Psalm 51, when he was filled with guilt over what God had been telling him was wrong for over a year. It's like, you did it, you did it, you did it. He, what did he say? He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. That's where some of you, that's where some of you need to be right now. It's like God's been saying, let's get this straight. Let's confess it. Let's repent. You're like, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then finally the day comes, it's like, listen, because of the gospel, you don't have to run from God in your shame. You run to God in repentance. That's the message that some of you need today. I don't have to run from God because of what I did. I run to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. But it's not just getting in the word. It's not just getting on your knees. It's not just getting a community. It's you got to get a higher vision. You got to get a higher vision. Look at verse three. Verse three says this. He leads me, he leads me in paths of righteousness. What does that mean? Paths of righteousness literally just means the right paths. He leads me in the right paths. Why? Why does he do that? For his 
namesake. So he restores and he leads and he comforts and he prepares a table and he anoints my head with oil. He takes me through the valley. He does it for your good. and He does it for my good, but he also does it for his glory. If you see a healthy, not that we see a bunch of herds or of, of sheep, but when you see a healthy flock of sheep, when you see all these sheep and they're healthy and they're bountiful and they're well taken care of, when you see that, do you say, yay, way to go sheep, awesome job. You're like the sheep of the year. No, you don't do that. When you see healthy sheep, bountiful sheep, beautiful sheep, well cared for sheep, what you say is they have an awesome shepherd. That shepherd needs to get like shepherd of the year. That's what he needs to have. So what does that mean for us? That means if you're a Christ follower, if you are a Christ follower, and when you choose, let's say, hope over despair, when you choose hope over despair, when you choose faith over fear, when you choose praying over complaining, when you choose generosity over hoarding, when you choose loving people over hating people, you know what you say? You're like, you know what? Remember how those 10 lepers, when, when Jesus heals the 10 lepers and one of them goes back to thank God? That's, that's what he wants from us. What he wants from us is be able to say, you know what? This is what God did in my life. This is what he did in my marriage. This is what he did in my kid's life. This is what he did in my uh, spiritual, whatever it is. This is what God did in my life. So I thank God for that. And I want people to know who did it. We don't want to be like the other nine. And so uh, some of you are like, I know it's hard. You're like, it's hard. It's hard right now. It's hard right now, Bruce. It is hard. It's, I know it's hard. And I, in so many ways, hate that it's hard. And there's a better day coming. But when you say, I know it's hard, I know it's hard, what you have to understand from this text is you've got a good shepherd that has nail scars in his hand, and he says, I know what hard is like. I know what hard is like, but I died and I rose again so that you could live in victory. All right. So um, we're talking about what do I do when life gets hard? What do I do when life gets hard? What do I do when life gets hard? You know what? I want to draw closer to God. How do I draw closer to God? Man, I'm going to get in the Word. Just get in the word. Just open it up. You're like, I don't understand it. Just open it up. We've got some great resources online. Just go there. How do I study the Bible? We've got a bunch of stuff we can put in your hands. Got to get in community. Got to get some people around me, all right? Uh, let us know. Again, text connect 28282. We'll get that. Number three, okay? I've got to get on my knees. So before you get up and do other stuff, man, you, you and your family, man, hit your knees and just, just talk to God informally. God, here's what's going on please help us. And then lastly, just get a higher vision. Say, God, when we come out of this crazy time that we're in, so in the midst of it, in the midst of it, can we bring glory to you by the way that we draw closer to you during this time? So I'm going to pray for you and then uh, we'll finish up our service. Father, thanks for the men and women who are watching today. Thanks for the boys and girls who are watching. And we desperately want to be a people when all this crazy time is over, that we drew close to you and we brought honor to your name. God, I want to pray for the people that are watching and their souls are just dry right now. I want to pray that today, not tomorrow, not two weeks from now, that today would be such a refreshing time where you restore them. God, help us to go back repeatedly to the gospel that you died for us. You rose again. You claimed victory. And we can have that power. We can have that victory. So God, I pray for the person that's like, I'm not sure if God will take me back. I'm not sure if he wants that intimate relationship with me. God, reassure them, reassure him, reassure her that God not only wants it, but God provided a way to make that possible through his son, Jesus Christ. 
God, thanks for the grace. We pray that this week and the next week as we look at this very well-known psalm, God, help us to memorize it. Help it to become part of who we are, that we can say, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd, and I will not want. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.